This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the final Take the Black Live show of the year. This is, of course, Take the Black Live, the only show on the internet, the only show on the internet where we discuss things like Game of Thrones, Star Wars, The Mandalorian, Wonder Woman superheroes, space lasers, dragons, all the stuff that the mainstream media is too cowardly to talk about. I am Dan Selke, the editor of Winterscoming.net, here with Mia Johnson of DarkSideOfTheForce.com. Mia, do you like my hat? I do. It's very festive and wow, you can swing it around. I'm a little jealous. Um, very, very jealous, actually. I mean, yeah. Um, obviously, it's Christmas time. It's time to get in the spirit. And we, as usual, have so much to give to um, our viewers out there. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, we have a lot to talk about. Some some good old hot topics here at the end of the year. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mia, um, what a year it's been, right? What an exciting, thrilling, uh, meticulously wonderful year for television, movies, and staying inside and watching them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, indeed. Exhausting. I thought we'd start with um, an update on House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel show that is still in. Um, by the way, Nicole, The Mandalorian is the last thing we're going to talk about, so you can stick around for a while, and then you can um, exit when it gets to that point. Or just stick around, we'll just spoil you and it'll be fine. But we'll, we'll alert you when we're getting to that point. But first, we're going to talk about House of the Dragon, the Game of Thrones prequel show that is coming down the pipe from HBO yeah. and HBO Max. Um, they keep leaking out stuff. Or not leaking out stuff. They keep officially putting out stuff, which tells you that, I mean, it's, it, it, it feels like they kind of gotten to that point where they're really getting the hype train rolling, you know? Yeah. Like they're actually going to push stuff forward. That We have the casting. We have a logo. Um, in fact, they released this nifty kind of animated logo as part of their 2020 year ender video. <laughs> Let's, it's like three seconds. Let's watch it now. <laughs> you know, it's just the dragon, which is taken right from Game of Thrones, by the way. It's the dragon when the dragon kills Varys when he... <sighs> they just took that and then plastered it onto... Um, you know, a nice little fiery ring of fire around the House of the Dragon logo. Um, probably not the main thing. I do get the idea that they probably don't have like super developed assets yet, but they're so eager to get this out in front of people that they're just kind of yeah. like, let's throw that together, put that together, get it out of there, get it out there. we gotta have something to hype. <laughs> yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Uh, or at least looking at that clip, pulling it up, you know, it's not a lot but it's enough to razzle dazzle i'm thinking like skyrim or somebody did that a year yeah. or two ago where just like it's like oh what could this be what could this be oh it's just a land and it's a title <laughs> huzzah the, the day is saved my work here is done but i mean it's still yeah it's enough to get you excited i suppose yeah and i mean it's filming next year so i mean i think i think pretty early next year so i'm sure there'll be plenty of updates like we got an update about um an employee benjamin ip who was the costume concept artist on such films as Eternals, 
and uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, joining mm-hmm. as like a concept artist. This is like a small bit, but it, it's cool yeah. seeing him staffing up. And as you can see from the art here, designing some of Michelle Pfeiffer's uh, costumes, it does kind of look Game of Thronesy, right? With the yeah, cloaks yeah. and the gowns and Very just medieval. the sort of elaborate um, dressing. I could see that working. I could. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very, you know, it, it, it evokes something within you, the beautiful fashion of it all. <laughs> no, I do. I do really love me a nice, like, medieval gown. I wish, you know, I maybe some days it'd be more a little appropriate to wear it, you know, outside. But that's just a tangent. <laughs> I know what you mean. Like, they just, the, the, the ostentatiousness um, is something you wish you could, like, be that pageant filled in real life sometimes. Yes. But probably a good reason you shouldn't. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, no problem with that. I don't know if he's actually the costume designer. He's on a concept mm-hmm. artist. Michelle Clapton did costumes for Game of Thrones and very, very well. Like she won a lot of yeah. awards for, you know, Cersei's dress and Nairis's dress and all that stuff. I love the fashion in Game of Thrones. I thought it like it got toward the end. The funny thing about Game of Thrones outfits is that like they got less and less realistic as the show went on. Oh, really? But, like, the point where, like, Sir St. Daenerys are wearing, like, things you would not see in medieval times with, like, crazy shoulder pads and busts, but they looked more and more yeah. awesome as it went yeah. on. Too. I'm thinking about Daenerys, that one in the final season, he had, like, this fur coat or oh, something yeah. that was just, like, how many animals did you have to kill? For like, the white thing. They looked <laughs> yeah. great. Oh, they yeah. Great for cosplay. Yeah. They didn't make, like, any sense for, like, medieval times, but I, who cares? Like, yeah. that, that, that's basically my opinion on it. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, too, Nicole. And, uh, oh, okay, Nicole, I'll see you a little bit later. And as Candace says, kinda. Not sure what that was in response to, but if you tell me, Candace, we can respond. That's basically it. Not a ton happening there, but, you know, Game of Thrones site. We'll bring you the updates when we can. And next up, Mia, I believe that you got to watch a certain much-delayed, heavily-hyped superhero tentpole film early. Was it? I finally, finally, finally saw Wonder Woman 1984. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Coming out Christmas Day on HBO Max and into theaters for the eight people brave enough to risk that, I suppose. (laughs) I'm curious. Let's get into it. What'd you think? Yeah. So I, overall, I would say I had a pretty positive review of the movie. I enjoyed it. It felt like the, this new breath of DC, DC, EU where they're trying to be a little more distinct from Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, really? That's good. Um, and it kind of like if you've seen Shazam and Aquaman, it's like they right. kind of are starting to feel more cohesive in that sense where sometimes they're allowed to be a little more cartoony or a little more over the top, but you're like, you know, hey, that's what a, you know, that's what superheroes are all about to begin yeah. with. Um, I never so really the, got like, let's make them realistic. It's like, but they have yeah. strength and can fly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that really fits them very well. The only thing is in this movie, of course, you have Wonder Woman returns. Now she's in America and you have Steve mm-hmm. Trevor, who is mysteriously back. Um, Kristen Wiig is kind of like her colleague. I am still curious about that. Yeah. I, I, I assume you're not going to spoil it. But, oh, um, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm like, how is, he definitely died. And even if he didn't, it's like, 50 years, whatever. Okay. Yeah, it, it's it's quite interesting. And um, kind of also rounding out the cast is Pedro Pascal as Max uh, Maxwell Lord, mm-hmm. who I've read a couple of varying reviews. I happen to I like too. his performance in this. I thought he had a lot of fun. I thought it showed. And in my opinion, I kind of liked having a more grounded villain than always trying to up the ante every, like, 
you know, sure. you go from fighting someone very small to like Thanos. And then it's like, oh, we have to make another movie. And how do we top that? And this movie was kind of like, well, we're not. You know, Thanos is MCU, but, you know, yeah. Dark Seed, Side, Steppenwolf, all those people. So I kind of appreciated scaling it back a little bit. I, mean, I, I totally agree with you. Like, I thought, I, I liked the first movie quite a bit. Like, the first Wonder Woman, I thought it was uh, just really kind of novel in the yeah. way that it was more kind of optimistic, hopeful. And honestly, like, just going through some of those, like, general superhero, like, cliches, like the training montage, the fish out of water, mm-hmm. like, but it's a woman, like, felt different. <laughs> like, because we're yeah. so used to the <laughs> other way around. But that final act where it's just like, I'm the god of death, and I, or war, whatever it was. Yeah. Just like a, a, a pretty, like, generic slugfest, I thought. Like, I, I didn't like the third bit. But the rest of it I liked, and I, I'm totally down for giving you a more grounded villain who doesn't yeah. just kind of reduce to, and now we fight each other with giant explosions and CGI in the background. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so for this, I, they've, all, they've already kind of revealed Kristen Wiig is, you know, a villain her own since she ends up being Cheetah. Um, there was not any, like, you know, they... Pedro Pascal and Kristen Wiig didn't really compliment one another as like an evil duo. They just kind of happened to like cross paths to the point where they're like, yeah, let's just do this thing together, but not really together at the same time. See, I don't uh, love that. Cause like, cause yeah. that's like a superhero movie problem. Like they, they, they have the same way they like overstuff it. I'm going way back here. Like I remember like Batman returns, like they had the penguin and Catwoman. But like they, they didn't really need to be in the same movie, and they like it was totally that they like met each yeah. other. And were like, why don't we team up? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's kind of that's what this felt like, um, and it, it it was fine. You know, maybe I wish I could have seen a little bit more of Kristen Wiig since they really mm-hmm. wanted to build her up like that, and they didn't. Uh, another kind of thing that kind of faltered for me, if I'm talking about faults, is. Even though there, I said, you know, there wasn't a big bad villain, it still sometimes felt like I wish I saw more of Wonder Woman than Diana. Because it, at some um, point, we reached this really long stretch of the movie where she's not in costume. She's kind of doing, like, spy work and stuff like that. Sure. So when she actually does transform, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is Wonder Woman. <laughs> I was like, I kind of forgot that this is what that movie is. Which, you know, it... depends on how you view it. To me, I was kind of like, I wish I would have seen more of her in action or in costume, but, you know, maybe that's just me. We'll find out. It it sounds like it might be a little overstuffed, maybe. Like, do you think it's because there's going to be, like, franchise bait? Is there going to be a Cheetah spinoff? Is that what they're leading to? Um, I actually didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. It felt kind of self-contained. You never know where it goes. And plus, this is really because this is the eighties and we still have the regular DCEU with justice league and all that, there's still right. like a huge 20 to 30 year gap. So technically depending on how they go, they'd have to have to go back in time again to have cheetah spin off in the nineties sure. or eighties, or, you know, she's just a really old woman for some reason. And <laughs> <laughs> but what I really did, like, I really love the eighties aesthetic in this. It That's was cool, very yeah. reminiscent of how stranger things did it with the mall and all that stuff. Um, the big hair, the cars, the cell phones, the TVs. And my favorite was, if we're talking about costuming, I really, really love costuming in this as well. Cool. It, it did kind of blur the lines between is this 80s or is this kind of like what a, uh, a Gen Z kid would wear if they wanted to be in the 80s. <laughs> so it looks nice on Instagram, but I, I still really love the looks. They had some really, really nice looks on that. Um, 
but yeah, overall, I, I enjoyed myself. So I would say, you know, we didn't have a lot of superhero movies this year. So this is kind no, of like really the one to watch. I mean, that trailer got my blood pumping. I remember like the kind of pulsing like synth beat thing they had going yeah. on. And Diana's kind of a golden angel wing feather yes. costume looked pretty cool. So yeah, let, 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 let's really have it together. Would you think they say it's better or worse than the first Wonder Woman? You know, the first one was kind of slow to me. I don't know if it was mm-hmm. because of the, I call it like the Zack Snyder effect, you know, super like contrasty and a little moody. And this one is a complete 180. It's it's so uh, tonally sort of different from the first movie. Um, it took me a while to watch the first movie as well. It, I, it took me no literal years to watch <laughs> and finish this movie. Um, so I don't know if it's just being forced to watch Wonder Woman 1984 in one sitting that I enjoyed it, or maybe I didn't really too much enjoy the first movie with like World War One, and that's kind of really old. And I was like, I don't really care about this. No, I uh, like that about it. I loved the yeah. bit. I mean, that everyone else loved where she was like um, rushing the trenches. Was, like, oh was yeah, really oh yeah. On kind of. Um, I don't know, just kind of mixing up like how superhero would fit into history. I thought it was, I thought it was the exactly. best one of the movie. No, yeah, yeah. The first movie did have its parts. And I don't know if it's like maybe this movie might have a hard time trying to live in that movie's shadow because it was such a big film that it's kind of hard oh, to top it. So I don't know if you can quite top the first movie, especially uh, if that's the way you feel about it. But I, I do think it is kind of a maybe close seconds it's for me i like it more than the first but for others it might not you know it it doesn't maybe deliver the same uh punch that it did in the first one i mean we'll see soon enough when it comes out and folk will uh, give their opinion the reviews look pretty good but um sometime might one of those things where the reviews are great and then that you actually see it and there's like the giant disparity i love when that happens yeah, between the fans and the critics. So mm-hmm. I feel like I was coming from the from this as a fan angle. I enjoyed it. It was it was really awesome and had some great moments, some great fan service moments. I will say. And um, good. Looking forward to it. And by Renee, sorry the audio was a little spotty. And uh, Candace said that you, uh, she that um, you, I asked if I could see the dragon. She couldn't quite see the dragon in the logo. Um, you didn't mess much, Candace. It was like um, you know, dragon light up a logo of House of the Dragon. They don't have anything real yet, right from Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right, anything else saying Wonder Woman 84 before we move on? Um, no, I think we've talked about Pedro Pascal, so we've probably got the perfect uh, segue into our next topic. That's correct, although it's time I have to break it up with this. Um, if you want to hear more of us or on your commute or anything, we are available, Take the Black Live, in a podcast form on iTunes, Google Play, wherever podcasts are available. But yes, Pedro Pascal is a Game of Thrones veteran who played Oberyn Martell. He played Max Lord and Wonder Woman. And he plays Din Jaren, a.k.a. Mando, a.k.a. They have a lot of names in this thing. I just had a tiny little thought about that as you were talking about um, Oberlin. There was a like Oberlin. tenth of a scene where I was like, Did, was this a Game of Thrones reference? It's very, very slight. And it has him in it. Um, so maybe you might catch it, maybe not, but it was kind of funny to me that I was like, this feels very Game of Thronesy. So that's if my tangent even aside. even a little bit, I-, I bet I will notice it because I spent <laughs> so much time watching that show to cover it. There's nothing that can get by me. I'm sure I'll notice it. And then I will. Awesome. I'll well, you'll see it in, in two days. <laughs> okay. But yes, as we continue. But yeah, I mean, 
I, I will say this, like for 2020 has been a sucky, 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 sucky year for so many people. And it frankly is still sucking for a lot. Um, can't go to the theater or people out of their homes. But for one person who really killed it was Pedro Pascal. Like that guy had an amazing year. Yeah. Like he is in one of the buzziest movies of the year. I mean, one of like the big tent poles allowed to come out this year. One of my yeah. four. <laughs> And probably the buzziest TV show on the air right now, The Mandalorian. I think that's yeah. a fair assessment, at least among and geeks like us. he's also in that new, like a new Netflix movie from the Spy Kids director. And that also he comes is. out on Christmas, yeah. I believe. So it's kind of like, you know, we're being bombarded with Pedro Pascal all at once. And I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, if you like Pedro Pascal, this is a good time. And who doesn't? Because, I mean, yeah, he's a personable guy. And it seems like a really natural fit for a lot of these roles. All right. And, I mean, he made... It's charismatic in The Mandalorian, even wearing a helmet for like 95% of the time. And he still yeah. gave a performance people wanted to get to know better. And it finally came to an end, the second season, this past Friday. And okay, I think there was a lot to unpack about this episode, The Rescue. Let me just get your... Let me ask you this. Yes. The end. And by the way, if... Uh, who was concerned about spoilers? Um, Nicole, if you're still concerned about it you might want to get out now because we are going to spoil it <laughs> it's a spoiler zone but to start with, with with the big headline moment when luke skywalker showed up at the end and took baby yoda grogu away with him to train him on some planet um what were your emotions as a star wars fan going on wow i had a lot of emotions and i was quite surprised at how positively i took it um i think i was not expecting luke skywalker because and we'll talk about this i know as well because they did really make it they made it seem like they were done with the skywalkers so i was in our heads and over on dork side too we were all like wondering "Ooh, what obscure jedi could they bring back or you know and there's like someone new yeah and they were like oh it's the luke skywalker holy <laughs> you know what uh so as i was watching this here's kind of a play-by-play -play in my brain right it's it's like the it's building up it's very tense and they're slowly revealing who this jedi is he's hooded he's kind of an all black mm -hmm. and i was like who is that he's got a green lightsaber but like you knew it was someone important right because they like so purposefully didn't show the face and like yeah this is like a yeah. minute and a half here like they better be something good <laughs> or it's not gonna be worth it i was on the edge of my seat and i was like the green lightsaber was the first um tip off and then the thought occurred to me because this is after return of the jedi i love the uh luke skywalker and the black return of the jedi oh i love it i call it it's like his prada look um <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, then I'm like, okay, I have to look for a gloved hand because he got his hand chopped off, so he always wears a glove. And I saw the gloved hand. I was like, oh my God, it's really him. I surprisingly, I really, really loved that reveal. I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. They had like the moment where the elevator was like counting down to when they would open up and reveal who it is. Right. Um, and even then when it was like it was him, I was like, oh my gosh, it's him. Who's playing him? Who? So I was just, <laughs> I was a real huge bundle of emotions for that finale too <laughs> to to sum up how i felt <laughs> uh really quick um we're getting some comments about uh kind of fading in and out i'm sorry about that guys we will be available in like a yeah a smoother version on youtube the wick winter's coming youtube page later i mean i'm glad i'm glad that you were very enthusiastic like i found out about it um early and so when it happened, I don't know, I guess I kind of spoiled it for myself. I couldn't help spoiling it for myself. I watched it that night. <laughs> um, it was fun. So 
I want to get into the 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 critique of that part specifically. Yeah. So this is partly my fault for doing this, but I, I feel like the very fact that the big moment of that episode was Luke Skywalker coming in to save Grogu and not anything having to do with the characters we actually got to know over the past two seasons is a little indicative of maybe they're shoving too many Star Wars legacy characters into our faces. Mm. Um, Let me ask you this. Do you think you were more excited by Luke showing up or the emotional kind of a Grogu, Din Djarin separation? Because I did like that part. I remember looking at it and being uh-huh. like, oh, like full. Oh, no, he's leaving. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I was like on the edge of my seat the entire time from the okay. who is this up until the face reveal. So, yeah, I surprised me. I did not have a problem with that at all. I, I, I actually happened to like that. Gotcha. I mean, I thought it was fine. I mean, but okay, here's my thing. The more I think about this season, like the, the the more reticent I do get to kind of laud it with praise, because if I think about it, like almost every episode was either kind of leaning on Star Wars stuff they'd already established, mm-hmm. setting up new shows in this universe, or in this case, just kind of trying out a big, really important cameo to, again, like impress upon us the importance of characters who they didn't invent for this. And, and to me, the best about The Mandalorian in the first season was that it was, it was new. Like, it, it, it yeah. was, you didn't have to know the rest of the stuff to get it. Like, and, and I've read interviews about, like, well, it's great. Like, the Luke comes in, and if you don't know who he is, it'll still um, work for you. And it might be true, but, I mean, let's be honest here. Clearly, they're playing on the fact we know who Luke Skywalker is. Yeah. And it's important. Um, there was a critic... Oh gosh! It was. I was reading one. Uh, Matt Zoller states a vulture who really hated it and put it in some colorful terms. <clears throat> it's hard to capture in words the galaxy collapsing short sightedness of requiring that every new Star Wars tale ultimately connect, however tangentially, with the same handful of genetically linked characters. Every time a Star Wars story genuflects with the Sky- Skywalker saga yet again. Lucas's mythos shrinks further in the collective imagination. Now I'll say up front, I think that's going too far. I mean, it's like, it's not that bad, man. I mean, and it is still about the Mandalorian, but there was just so much stuff this season that was kind of him like interacting with other people's adventures and them kind of pulling focus. Mm-hmm. Like even the first guy, Cobb Vanth is from like a story, but I mean, that's kind of on the edge. Yeah. Um, the second episode, I think, was setting up that Rangers of the New Republic show where they met the pilots who pulled him over. Then we had the heiress with Bo Katan, who's from Clone Wars. I'm sure she'll probably be part of the Mandalorian, I'm guessing. Ahsoka Tano, obviously, is all about her new show. Boba Fett is getting a new show. They brought him yeah. back, who is a <laughs> perennial fan favorite from the dead. I know there's nothing for how he died, but eh, I mean, he died. <laughs> yeah. And then Luke at the end. A lot of it seemed like it was um, an excuse to kind of trot out other Star Wars stuff and not kind of really embrace what made it very different. And Mm -hmm. intellectually, that does upset me a little bit. Although I will admit, when I'm watching it, mostly it worked for me. Yeah, yeah. In the moment, it works. I 
and I was thinking this over before we kind of, we were getting ready. I was like, I, th- I think what I would have liked from them is just a little more honesty and openness about where they were going with this. Because yeah, we talked about season one was very much self-contained and it was one of those things where it was very rewarding if you were a Star Wars fan, because it's like, oh, I know what that is. I know what this reference is, but not overly connected. Oh yeah. Like there's going to be references like that's fine. Yeah. Just, um, they came so thick in this season. Yeah. So I wish that they, you know, they kind of, I was like, I feel like they just have to admit at this rate that they have a Skywalker problem. Like there's no way they can't <laughs> at this rate touch a sky. Like, of course, Luke Skywalker in this Obi-Wan series, they're bringing back Hayden Christensen as Darth uh-huh. Vader Anakin. So it's kind of like, just admit to it. And I might be a little more forgiving because I see the plan. I see, you know, where you're trying to go so long as you're, you know, <laughs> at this rate, I guess they are forthcoming, but at first they really tried to, to make it seem like Skywalker saga is over. Bob Iger was like, you know, that's a, it's a dead subject. We're not going to touch it anymore. And he's like, Hmm, but what if we, you know, still kind of be a little naughty and, and sneak that in. So I can definitely see where you're coming from. It's like, it just, it does feel like they switch gears very quick. I kind of feel the same way about, about some Marvel stuff. Like, it's almost like, like it, it, it's such a well-made show and it's so obviously lovingly made. Like people who make it, Dave, Dave Filoni is obviously a giant fan, cares very passionately mm-hmm. about it. But it, it's almost like until they completely break from this stuff, I almost feel like it can't be great because, <laughs> mm. I, I, because I, I know that it's never going to like come to sort of its own denouement, like its own climax. It's always going to lean on this stuff. And yeah. so part of me is like, well, I can just go watch the originals. But I mean, <laughs> they do have a lot of original stuff in there. Like Din Jaren's, you know, arc was complete, right? I mean, he went, yeah. he fully developed from a guy who never took off the helmet, who would only do it in front of like a, a robot who was about to die and then only reluctantly <laughs> yeah. to hear he fully took it off. And it was a big moment for him. Like, that's great. Oh, yeah. And I just think they can do that stuff without relying so heavily on on the references and you know me i'm always talking about like their master plan to get us to kind of watch 18 shows um so we can monopolize our time which i do think is fully true um but as long as they're good i don't really mind but i feel like it's harder to make them good when you have this we have to have a never-ending um i mean literally never-ending pipeline of content in mind like a great story has a great ending and oh, yeah. if your philosophy is these don't end, because if they end, we stop getting the money, um, it, it really, it cuts it off a bit. It, it, it can never go like as high as I want it to. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, I feel like when I watched the finale at the very end for a split set, not even a split second for a long time, I thought that like, maybe they were just bluffing and there wasn't going to be a season three. I was like, what I mean, if this yeah. just is the ending? And then they, um, when they teased to the Boba Fett series, I was like, oh, what if this was a misdirection? And they were saying we're going to have a season three, but it's actually just, you know, they're just going to move on to Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. And as much as I kind of, you know, would be a sourpuss about like, oh, but I want to find out what happens. Or, to me, almost having that be a shocking ending, just ending it on a tragedy. <laughs> I almost really like that idea of being like, this is what happened to the Mandalorian. Him and Baby Yoda, you know, they they fulfilled their mission, and that was it. It was it was moving. That would work. And- that would kind of work, yeah. 
Um, yeah, but- I mean, part of me is like, what is The Mandalorian without Baby Yoda? I mean, yeah. let's face it. The show was called The Mandalorian, but Baby, Yoda, Baby Yoda's a star. I mean, he's exactly. the reason we're all here. Um, do, do you want to watch a Baby Yoda-less Mandalorian? You know, it does make me wonder what direction they're going to go in now. Because right. it's like, you do have a storyline about, you know, like the Bo-Katan and the whole maybe reclaiming Mandalore. But again, no Baby Yoda. Or if you do lean on the Baby Yoda side, now it's like, okay, we're really going into Skywalker territory because it's like, how did Luke train <laughs> Baby Yoda? And yeah, it's like, or how did how, did Baby Yoda meet Ben Solo? Did Baby Yoda get killed by Ben Solo? You know, all those kind of weird things. So it does make you wonder, okay, what territory are they going in next now that they, you know, he did what he had to do. So what next is there to do? <laughs> yeah, I'm curious. I'll, 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 I'm curious what comes next, but... Um, I, I'm just waiting for kind of the um, the overwhelmingness to set in, but that is the name of the game now. This is this yeah. is our future for a while, and it's going to be a lot of stuff to to do. Well, plenty to talk about, no doubt, in the new year. <laughs> um, speaking of which, anything particularly you're looking forward to in 2021? Oh my gosh, we're just a few weeks away from Wandavision. That is, I know. Disney sent out that long list of you know all their projects coming you know in the next year. Or so I didn't. I was like, wait a minute. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier is in March, and I was like, oh my gosh, there's no. I get no sleep, no rest. <laughs> <laughs> At least they're like that. They're are they all going to be released like The Mandalorian at like 3 a.m. I'm pretty sure. I don't think they're going to stray away from that, um, you know, weekly in the middle of the night kind of thing. Well, here's my pitch. How about 8 p.m. on a Thursday? I mean, because people are watching together. No one's going to watch together at 3 a.m. I mean, if you live in Australia, problem solved. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to. How about you? I mean, that honestly, yeah, I am pretty different. And it's right around the corner. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to the movie. Just getting. I'm looking forward to going to going to, going to a movie theater again. Oh, I'll yeah, be honest with yeah. you. I'd love to see Dune when it finally comes. By the way, they're trying to fight it, so um, Dune might not come to HBO Max Ooh. and at the same time. That is mess. What they have over there. <laughs> I still say it's their last show of the year. I still say in the streaming wars. I mean, everyone's still you know duking it out. If anybody goes down. I think it's probably going to be HBO Max. Wow, really? Because they, they, they've made so many mistakes. I mean, the name, the price, and now this latest debacle where they're releasing things straight to the service, which is great for some people. I mean, mm-hmm. it's great for us, frankly, if we don't, I mean, and good people at large, they don't have to go to the theater, but they ticked off so many people who I'm not sure yeah. will work with them again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, they might have to split it would be interesting because they would have to kind of like relinquish HBO and kind of just letting that be its own thing rather than bundling it again and all that. So that would be kind of fascinating to see how they, they pull apart and maybe if they have to completely rebrand. If they do, um, they'll probably squeak it out, but they definitely had a rough go of it early on. Yeah. It makes you sad. Just like, because there are things like you wouldn't have to try too hard. <laughs> I still don't get the price. I don't get the price. Who yeah. comes on a market where you have like Disney Plus at six dollars, Netflix at ten? Like, you know what we're gonna do is nuke it on the block, charge fifteen. Yeah. That'll really get folk in. Yeah. Who the hell yeah. thought of that? <laughs> yeah, they thought. I think maybe they were over a little overconfident in their um, you know, portfolio. We've oh, we've got Turner Classic Movies, hot dog. <laughs> we got Casablanca. We'll pay yeah. top dollar for that. 
<laughs> and you know the delay i think for roku really hurt them oh, and the even Roku's now, on now yeah even now the the app is kind of laggy and it's not as intuitive as like netflix and so i was you know happy that they got it and now i'm back to complain again <laughs> just oh, because i fine. want them yeah that's the the app show. is really, really bad. Oh, oh my gosh. Next to Disney, I, <laughs> Disney Plus also needs to do better with their interface because that is also slow, not only on Roku, but on the internet. So I'm not a tech expert, but that's kind of my, if I had a Christmas wish, I want faster HBO Max and Disney Plus <laughs> interfaces. I mean, they added Roku, they added Amazon Prime devices or Amazon Fire yeah. devices, whatever. So maybe they'll slowly get it up to speed by a year after it's out. It will being a form that pleases people That'd be nice. um other than that yeah i hope we get content in 2021 with everybody um kind of delayed because of the pandemic we'll see the fall should be excited at any rate yeah. mostly i'm hoping for um a return to just for just for folks to get back on their feet and for oh, yeah. this to be over 2020 good year for tv bad year in general but I'm glad to be ending it with you, Mia, and Aww. you, the viewers. Any other thoughts you have before we close out for the year? No, I hope everyone has a happy holiday season. I'm excited to relax, so I hope everyone yeah. else has the chance to just, you know, it's been a it's been a tough year. So I think we all kind of <laughs> earned it to just sit back and do absolutely nothing but enjoy our families, enjoy the magic of Christmas and the holiday season. Yeah, there's plenty to watch if you get bored of that. Um, we are off next Wednesday. There'll be no Take the Black Live show on Wednesday, the whatever that is, the 30th. So we will see you the week after that in the new year on January 6th, 2021 at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time here on the Winter is Coming Facebook page and YouTube channel. Until then, happy holidays, happy watching, and have a great night. Bye. Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.